The Effenrad Snowboard Podcast is presented by Vans. Season 8 of Effenrad is sponsored by Wired Snowboards, Anon Optics, The Boardroom Snowboard Shop, Find an Epic Agent Worldwide Real Estate, and Tribute Board Shop in Nelson, B.C. Anon Optics make the best snowboarding goggles in my opinion. My new Anon M4S goggles fit my face perfectly, and the magnetic lens system allows me to transition seamlessly and adapt to variable light conditions like from sunny to cloudy or nighttime on the fly. If I need a face mask, again through the magic of magnets, it takes only a few seconds and I'm good to go. Anon's perceived lens technology enhances contrast for bright light days. I absolutely love it. Go to an Anon dealer near you to try out some frames and lens tints to see what works best for you. Anon Optics goggles are seriously the best. Support also comes from Dekine, Mount Seymour, Grouse Mountain, Pro Standard GoPro Accessories, and Volcom Outerwear. Hey, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, like and follow us wherever you listen to the show, and maybe leave a five-star review. That'd be nice. Special thanks this episode to Beneath Apparel, This Place is Awesome Vacation Rentals in Whistler, High Cascade Snowboard Camp, Y East Mountain Academy, and Tomahawk Indigenous Products. Bobby Meeks had a handful of classic pro models on Joyride and Subtle Snowboards. He filmed with Standard Films before helping start the Robot Food Movie Crew. Eventually moving to the team manager side of snowboarding, Bobby managed big-name pro snowboarders on Nike and DC, and now he runs We Are Camp, which includes High Cascade Snowboard Camp, Y East Academy, and Windells at Mount Hood in Oregon. We were super stoked to stay up at Mount Hood for a couple of days this summer during the Vans Signature Series High Cascade session, which is where we caught up with Bobby Meeks. First snowboard I ever saw was uh, I was in at Mountain High, California, 1990. It was either 89 or 90, but that was the first snowboard I ever saw. Friends of mine took me uh, skiing one day, and uh, they were like some older friends that I used to work some construction for on the in like when I wasn't at school or on the on the weekends. They took me up snowboarding or skiing for the first time, and I'd never even. I'd never even seen snowboarding. I'd never been skiing. I had really never even been to the mountains to like, I mean, I lived in Southern California, but I just didn't get up to Wrightwood or anything like that uh, to an actual ski resort. And uh, I saw snowboarding for the first time. I was like, you know, skiing the whole time. And I'm like, you know, what, what is that? That's what I want to do is like, whatever that is down there. And they're like, oh yeah, that's snowboarding. And I was like, wow, dude, I want to do that. So, uh, the very next day I went to skate this ramp in uh, one of my friend's house or whatever. And like, um, I was just bragging and bragging about how I went skiing and like how I saw snowboarding and how I'd love to do that, whatever. And, um, one of our, my buddies from high school was like, dude, I'll, I have a snowboard. I'll sell it to you for 80 bucks. And I was like, $80. And at the time it was like, that's a lot of money. And so, uh, I like called up my, <laughs> I called up my, uh, friends who had, I worked for or whatever. And I was like, dude, can I borrow $80? Please. I'll, I'll work it off. Please just come to the, come to the ramp, come to the ramp and, and let me buy this snowboard. So I ended up, uh, yeah, bought it for 80 bucks. It's a black snow mogul, mogul monster. <laughs> oh, uh, you got ripped off, man. Yeah, Those things are like 50 had, retail. Dude, it had no edges. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was like, no. 
No, it was great. I would have paid, you know, looking back, I'd have paid, you know, it, it was worth every penny, every- I got you, man. Worth a million dollars, you know, whatever. <laughs> I love so. it. I love it so much. Yeah, sorry that I I had the, I had the legend, yeah. which was, no, the uh, legend SE, no, I had the edge. I yeah. had the one with the, the edge. edge on, oh yeah, I remember seeing the edge. They were super heavy. I didn't ever learn how to turn on it. I yeah. got a I got a pro board before. I got an well, avalanche. The funny thing it. is, I knew nothing about it, and uh, and I remember going up one day. I didn't even take the lift. I just went up to Mountain High, and I only hiked. I just walked up there and hiked, and then uh, I like was going down. I'm like, it's kind of sticky. And a buddy of mine the next day is like, hey man, you gotta you have to actually have to wax that thing. Yeah. And I was like, I gotta wax it. He's like, yeah. So I'm like, okay. So the next time I, you know, I, I go, I get some wax, some candle wax, and uh, I just lit it and dripped candle wax all over it. Didn't scrape it or nothing. Just had, you know, just a whole candle. I dripped on it. I was like, all right, now I'm going to haul ass. And uh, nope, it had the opposite effect. <laughs> and uh, it was not very fast. Um, so you rode that thing a few times. I wrote it for about all the rest of the season, I think. And then I ended up, you know, meeting some other like-minded, you know, snowboarders or whatever. I technically wasn't a snowboarder at that time, but some people who snowboarded from my high school. And uh, we ended up connecting. And one of the guys had like an old uh, GNU. Sick. And uh, and I ended up buying that off of him. And that was kind of like my upgrade. And then I joined the the high school ski team or whatever, ski club. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. that's incredible. I didn't think... Like there's not many people that joined. Well, at the time it was like I didn't have a car, and right. it was the only my only outlet really to actually go up, because I was just obsessed. So I like basically all I could do is whatever I could do to get on the mountain. Yeah. So the snowboard Sick. snow and ski team was awesome because they did all these trips, which is funny because then it led into um, I went on the, the company was called Elliot Ski and Sun Tours, and uh, the owner of it, awesome dude, like this guy Phil. Like just super tall, blonde, long hair, lived at the beach, probably Malibu, I think, or something like that. Nice. Uh, owned a Porsche and just was like this really cool dude. I, I don't know where he is in life now, but the uh, anyway, so I started going on these trips and then he's like, dude, you, you rip on that thing. Like, we, we want to sponsor you. And I was like, well, what, I don't even know what that means. Like, sponsor me. What, what does that mean? Red. And he's like, well, we'll give you discounts, you know, like you can go on these trips, but we'll charge you like half the price. And I was like, all right, you know, that's, that's great because I'm working my ass off to just to go on one trip for a full price. And uh, I ended up doing that and uh, went on a bunch of trips and it was kind of cool. I and so, like, it was, yeah, I had three people riding for him. One guy, one kid was Darius. I forget his last name. Darius Jones, I think his last name. Anyway, but he was from a different school. And then there's this kid, Brian Aguchi, that I met on oh, that trip. And wow. he was a year older than us. No and, uh, and so we would go and, and I would do trips and, and it would be Brian and myself and this kid, Darius, and we would cruise around. And then I actually even met this guy, Eddie Lee, on one of those trips too. Um, yeah, 32, you know, Eddie, Eddie Yeah, 32, been in the industry for a long time. and He was a pro rider at one yeah, point, yeah. right? Well, Up right now, Big Bear, this, yeah. is his, this is his start to it, was this team, obviously. Yeah, it was cool, it was, man. It was it was just a good time, you know? You just did whatever you could do to go snowboard, and, and uh, there's no way I would have had the ability to, uh, the resources to go and travel like that and go, you know, to Squaw or, like, you know, Colorado and, and all these areas that we went to. How, as how many years before... Uh, Gucci on Avalanche is that because the Avalanche he was on Checkered Pig oh wow so that's 91 yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. I was just talking to Tim about that the years there for yeah I graduated in 91 and that, that was like I basically got one and uh, kind of a one and a half seasons in that's amazing holy shit dude what board are you riding at this point um see it was kind of weird I went to uh I ended up getting um it's funny I like I ended up with an Avalanche 
something some way. I forget how I got it, but uh, like the A's on either end. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was it wasn't the kick. Like, no, it was no, because at the time I was a huge Damian Sanders fan. Yeah, me too. Point, yeah, and, absolutely. So the kick was amazing, but I wasn't that. It was a twin tip. It was like one of the, it was pretty short. Yep. And uh, I think I got it like I. Oh, I know I did it because I had bought an avalanche from a friend that was a you know old beat up one and de lambed I think and I sent it back and they sent me a brand new one. Are you serious? And, yeah, so Rad. I had this brand new one and then um, eventually like I went to Big Bear one day to 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 like just snowboard with my family like it was the first time they'd ever been up there and I was just like oh yeah I'm gonna go ride you know and uh, one of these guys that I knew from the thing was like hey they're doing a contest up at Bear. And I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, 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 you should enter. It's like $5. And I'm like, so I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. And then so I asked my, my aunt, I'm like, can you guys loan me five bucks, you know, to, <laughs> to get in this contest? And so they this. gave me $5. I entered the contest or whatever. But I ended up, long story short, I ended up like winning the event. Of course. And uh, it was it was pretty funny. Like, I don't know. It was just like, you know, I don't know. I, I think I butt checked a whole bunch too. And I still <laughs> ended up with a win on it. But um and then I ended up winning a snowboard. I won. I won a, a look Lamar oh snowboard from that, which is kind of yeah. a step back from the yeah, from yeah. The twin tip avalanche. Yeah, and I was brand new though, so I was just like, "Hey, all right." Um, but yeah, that was kind of that went from there. And then shortly after that, I was cruising around, um, and I got sponsored by some dude, uh, Bill Keller. Uh, just came up to me, BK from like Legend in oh, Southern California. Yeah, called yeah. to him. I, I know BK. Yeah. He's yeah, awesome. He came out to me and like he literally followed me around to run. And I was like, what? Somebody's like trailing me or something, <laughs> whatever. And then we got down to the bottom and he was just like, who? What's your name? You know, who are you? Like, and I was like, uh, Bobby, you know, whatever. And he's like, dude, you want to ride for our shop? H2O. And so, like, I, uh, and I was like, at the time, you know, you know, like, what does it mean? I don't know, whatever. Right, sure. Right. Yeah, sounds good. Like, uh, do I get do I get stuff? Do I get stickers? <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, are you gonna give me free stickers? Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, but it was H two O Surf and Snow, and I met this guy Vibe um, down there, and uh, and yeah, I mean, I started riding for them, and then like that, my second sponsor, or I don't, remember, well, I guess it's my third if I count that uh, LAC Sun Tours, but uh, third one was I started riding for uh, for Barfoot. From Amazing. the rep rider, Amazing. As a rep rider, local rep rider. That's that's killer. Yeah. And then um, it was funny because they gave me a board. The, the boards, the product wasn't flowing like it is today. It's oh, like, God, oh. no. Especially not from Barfoot. No. Devin asked for a second board. Who would it have been? Boyer. Boyer's like, you need to hook this guy up. Yeah. And Chuck was like, aren't you the guy? Like, your name's on the board. Why do I have to give another one? To this young kid. Dude, I used to have to call Chuck. <laughs> I would bug the hell out of Chuck Barfoot <laughs> to be like, I my board is delamming. I've got like eight, whatchamacallit, rivets in it or whatever. And I'm like, dude, I, a T-nuts, I'm like, I need a new snowboard. Like, please. And like, whatever. And then he ended up, uh, and again, they, yeah, they didn't give me another board or whatever. Um, and then from Barfoot, I went to 5150. Oh, and Yeah, sick. so I was one of their first riders on 5150. Damn. And then... So it was like crazy because they were like, you know, a board production brand. Had Their this, boards were old, really, really good. Yeah, it was the weird ones. We had like the really rough texture and it had um, yeah. sea monkeys on it. Like oh, all yeah, those weird I sea monkeys. totally remember that board. Yeah, so that was like, I remember the time too. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm you know, I'm interested in riding for you guys. And, and the guy's selling me on it. He's in the factory of their like shop in Southern California. And he's like, well, you know, we'll pay you $500 a month because, we, you know, we want you to to make sure that you've got, you know, money for rent. Oh and I was just like, you're going to pay me $500 a month to ride your board? Awesome. 
And then so I uh, rode for them for about a half a season. And then that's where BK comes in because BK was uh, repping them at the time. And he ended up leaving going to Joyride. And uh, and long story short on that one is he like, do you want to go to ride for Joyride as well? And Sick. I was like, dude, I'm in. I'm like, what era? That was Joyride. 1992, I think, or 93. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. That's a perfect time. What, like flower pot boards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so 93, and then I rode for Joyride for about, like the craziest thing with Joyride is like I got on their team, and like at the time, I mean, not, I don't know, I was, I guess I was considered a pro snowboarder, but it Hell wasn't, yeah, you, but yeah. it wasn't like, I don't know, it's not like it was today. It was just more like, oh yeah, you know, rip around on this thing, I, I get paid, like this is awesome. <laughs> but you know, it's following. Joyride was so close to like skateboard, like the skateboard companies. They were they modeled themselves off of the skate scene in a way, right. and, and the culture of skateboarding. So all of their pros had, they all had pro models. Yep. And so I instantly got on Joyride, and they were like, "Okay, cool. So let's talk about your pro model design." And I was just like, "What? What? what? <laughs> My pro model design? You mean I get a pro model?" Wow. Uh, yeah. So, and that was just like it was awesome working with those guys. Like. Ken Greengard and a bunch of um, Ken's you know, the, awesome. The, the family, yeah. the and then so ultimately, like I rode for them for a couple years and then ended up leaving them. Went to Subtle um, for oh, James. Wow. Nice, yeah. And uh, um, went from Subtle, rode for Subtle for about two years. Same thing there. Like kind of had a couple pro models on there. Thing. And then Subtle ended up going out. They were a little too subtle, and they went out of business <laughs> <laughs> shortly after. Yep. And uh, and then I got on K2. Um, Sick. And there's lots of long stories behind that, um, each one of those, but I don't, don't know how much time we have or whatever. But yeah, like, man. This is fascinating to me yeah. because that's my era. I was working at a shop. We were the Canadian distributor for Joyride. So, like, even that 5150 connection... Joyride made a board at 5150, the the Fuego. Yeah, the, the one Fuego. With the, with yeah. the bear on it. Mm -hmm. And that was the like that was a standout board from, from Joyride at that time. It's like everyone wanted that. Yeah. You wanted the dullard for the graphic, but you would break it in a couple of days. Yeah, I came in on the Joyride right after Roan and Dale left. Sick. Uh they all left and then I basically was left was uh Jason Carragher, yep. Hillary Mayberry, myself. Sick. And then all, let's see who else is on there. Um, the time a little bit later on, Dave Craig would be on there, but you would have yeah, probably yeah, been Dave gone Craig. by then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Jason Murphy wrote for him for oh, a hot Murph. minute, I yeah, think, and sick. then Gabe uh, Gabe Crane. Oh wow! Yeah, it was, I know, it was a good it was a good crew. They positioned themselves really well. Yeah, a couple years in a row, but I think there was like production issues or something. Well, they were always trying to reinvent. Like I remember, mm. Ken would be mm. like, "What do you think of these bindings?" You know, and it was like baseless bindings right, or something. Right, you know? yeah, everyone right. had that little stint where they were doing baseless bindings. Yeah, but uh, there was always just something like it was some kind of thing. Some, and it was funny because like he would <laughs> he would sit. And I'd be like, hey, this is this is what I want. This is I want this board right here. I want this shape. I want to do this. I want to do that. And he would just sit there at the magazine and kind of listen <laughs> and like, well, you know, Jason Gaines or whatever he was was like was over there and they'd be like, Okay, all right, you know, writing things down. And he'd be like, Do you really want to do that, Bobby? I mean, <laughs> all right. I'm and I you know, you second doubt yourself. You're like, yeah, what? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean I I mean, I don't know. Boss, boss man says, you know, he's vibing me over here for, <laughs> for trying to choose, uh, you know, uh, some bindings with bases on them. I don't know. Right, <laughs> right. There was there was a real push in that time in the industry to come up with some funky new thing every year. Yeah. Baseless bindings was one of those ones that that 
you know, it looked like it was going to do really well. Then it yeah. was gone. Product, product it's back. Back, it's back really bad. with the yeah. EST thing. And the sliders yeah. was another one with Rev with the sliders. Yeah. It was like, we're going to do these sliders thing. And then... No one really uh, valued the high back until it was gone. Right. <laughs> yeah. Remember riding with no backs yeah. or cutting down like your backs? Cutting the high backs <laughs> as much as you could or cutting the boards. I mean, I used to... Yes. We used to take plates from uh, at Bear. When I, I actually worked at Bear Mountain for... Now I'm bouncing around my timeline, but yeah, uh, no, that's fine. I worked at Bear um, for a, a year, year and a half, no, like it was a year, and it was I was sanitational technician, uh, <laughs> code name uh, for uh, janitor, but it was an amazing job because I could like basically snowboard in the morning up until two o'clock, and Unreal. then from two o'clock to twelve, I would work, you know, cleaning, cleaning, cleaning out the bar tap. Yep, you know, that's <laughs> awesome. So that that that's how you became pro at riding. Yeah, because I get to ride every You're day. You're riding every yeah, day. I get to ride every day for it. Yeah. But uh, Bear is a is a scene too. Yeah. For, I haven't been there, but I I it's know a, it was crazy back in the day. It was yeah. like you know when they had Outlaw Park and it was yes. just like, you know, it'd be Janamayan and uh, Brian Thien and Oof. Travis Wood. Oh. And, uh, it was like I mean it was the scene back it then. It was the scene. You know? Yeah. Um, was, it was it Gunny that that was building the park? Yeah, Gunny was building the park. That's where it Perillo. started. And Perillo, Perillo. Mike Perillo. Yeah. That blew my mind to yeah. find out that Perillo was on that side of it because I've always thought had him associated with the Terrier art. You know, yeah. the, 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 like he's yeah, always that, been the art guy. Yeah, him and like for me. Well, it's funny. Yeah, I, and it's funny at the time I didn't even know he was like an artist or whatever. He was just like the the bossy boss man in the park that was like always he, he vibing was, everybody out. <laughs> oh wow, I, really? I remember, he seems yeah. so opposite. Well, of I that. cut my board one time and I yeah. was like, dude, I went over to the because you know back in the days like everyone always hung out at the snowboard shop that was out at Bear. Yeah. So we would go in and and I'd be like, I'd get a new board. I had this like I think it was a barfoot. I I took and it was a Lucklemar and I cut it and I put a plate on it. They like and drew around. It was like these are the these are. This is how I want the shape to be. Hey, do you have? Can I borrow the like saw? Yeah. And he was just vibed me so hard. He's like, "Oh, you're gonna hop on that trend, are you?" And it was just like, I don't know. Like, we're super cool, but it yeah. was just like at yeah. the time, I yeah. was just like, to, and I'm like, it was everyone was doing it. Like, the boards were too long for the parks at the time. And that nose on that Lamar was like, yeah, was a giant. third of the board. Yeah. So you know, it was like, but we would also cut them down to where it was like there's hardly any lift. On yeah, it. too I mean, much. Like, yeah, yeah. You'd have to turn it around because the yeah. tail kick was a little steeper, so it was a little higher. Yeah. Yeah. I talked with Bert Lamar about the shape of that board, and he had basically just bought a Tony Hawk, given it, given it to the engineers at Look, and said. This is the most popular shape in skateboarding. Yeah. Let's do something, you know, based on this or like, hey, this kind of graphic is what I'm thinking or whatever. And then that board came out and he went, I didn't mean like trace it. <laughs> what the fuck? That's not even going to work. Like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> it was it was a pretty crazy board. I don't know. Yeah. But it yeah. was good. It was it was just at the time where snowboarding was finding itself and like the trends and stuff were, you know I mean, I we were all wearing, board. we were yeah. all wearing giant baggy pants uh like humongous. you could, uh, you could just i mean jenkos and like other types of pants like jeans you would just you know so much that you could like you could literally just crouch a little bit bend your knees just a little bit and your boots would disappear that's it so like and then at the time you didn't have any high backs on or right. there's a probably a good chance that you weren't even you didn't even have base plates like yeah so or canters you know like nothing things like that nothing just um, flat standing was, yeah, on the board. It was in a, in a weird weird spot at that time, I think. So. With super soft boots that yeah. when you ratchet them down, they're just squishing over the sides. Yeah, I had a, back then I had, 
I actually started when I finally got a pair of boots. I got a pair of uh, they were Sorel Pipe Dogs, and someone had given me a, a like a pointer on them to like you need to go and put some ski boot liners in there. Yeah, and I was like okay. So I bought some old ski boot liners or whatever. I forget what I got them, but yeah, I ended up with like those were my boots for years. Oh wow! And then, yeah, and it was so funny because like no, they were white, and nobody would ever. No one said anything to my face about them until like till one day I got a pair of new Bur- a new Burton's boots. Like uh, actually, Dave Downey because he was like repping and riding pro at the time out there. He like totally gave me a pair of like pipe dogs not pipe what are they called like the stumpies Stumpy. they were stumpies, stumpies. yeah yeah and, then, sick. <laughs> and so uh, sick. i was super hyped on them like yeah and i didn't you know obviously i wasn't walking around bragging about them or anything like that but everyone kept going like bobby you got new boots <laughs> you got new boots i'm like uh have well, you dude, guys is there been a problem yeah, with my yeah, boots yeah, yeah. i love yeah. it I know, that's pretty funny. Dave Downing's one of my favorite guys I've got yeah. to beat through the podcast. He's, he's a good dude. He's so nice. Yeah, I used it, to hound the shit out of him for product because he was like, you know, the, the Will Burton made the best boots at the yep. time and they made the best bindings at the time. Absolutely. So you were like, you know, hey, you know, most of your sponsors for any of us were strictly based like board, like board brands were easy to come by, but, uh, and clothing too or whatever, but. For the most part, it's really hard to get a boot sponsor. Yeah, Devin and Sluggo. Sluggo was a key rider for Airwalk at the time. Yeah. I mean, that Jimmy Scott era Airwalk, right? Yeah, yeah. And he brought Devin to a shoot somewhere and vouched for him just not not to ride for them, but just like, hey, this kid's with me. Don't fuck with him. He's cool. Yeah. And Devin wound up being the, the main dude, the main dude on awesome. Airwalk for... Yeah, I remember yeah. when Devin, uh, one time we were in the Outlaw Park or whatever. You know, I had those big, those big berms. I mean, they were legendary, you know. They, yeah. Um, back then. And uh, I remember Ryan Emmergart came in to the, sh- I think I was doing something or whatever. I was just chilling and he just came up and he was like, Bobby, we're come on, let's go. We're doing it today. And I was like, well, what are we doing? What, what, what's going on? And he's like, we're going to jump the berms and there's we're going to gap it. Yeah. And so like it's from one, it was like they were super deep. And, yeah. But, We'd always talked about it, jumping from one of the gap, one of the little lips as you S's around and over to the backside and landing down on the backside of one. And, you know, it's like sheer wall, almost vert walls. Those were like probably eight feet deep, yep. sheer, like almost vert walls for those things. And, uh, and yeah, that was the day. So we were all like, all right, cool. And I, and I think Gooch was there, uh, Imagar, uh, Matt Donahue. Nice. And Devin. And so everyone kind of jumped on whatever I like. It was a sketchy run in, like it's such a quick tranny, like such a quick like pop to it. And uh, I remember like, I think Gooch came up, or no, uh, I think Gooch came up really short and then he didn't get hurt or anything like that. And Donahue, I think maybe he made it over. And then uh, I slipped out on, on mine and ended up doing like a backside 180, like just out of pure like, cat like ability i just managed to like land on my feet around and uh and it was so so ugly and sketchy but it was just because it was like a heel heel slide to me like heel quick left turn and then right so it was like all of my heels and then 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 comes devin walsh and we were like we already knew this kid was different like he was like this dude and we had never seen in our park before or whatever and uh and i just remember him going like yeah i think i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to jump it because he was there and he was going to jump it too. So he goes and, and he, he does this like insane, super styling mute grab over it. Like it wasn't even like 
everyone else looked like they took effort to get over it. And he just was like, oh, just butter Ollie over it. <laughs> and just grabbed mute, boned it all out, landed. And uh, and then I remember him like going like, yeah, I think I can spin over it. And we were like, whoa. So, you, you know, so then he comes off and he does like next next hit, front three, boom, in the air, just grabs like super sick, bones it out. And, and, he, and I literally heard him say in the air, go, oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yes. And then he just sure enough landed and just stomped it and rode off. We, we were like, dude, who is this kid? <laughs> that is so sick. Yeah. And then he, that then he is so sick. Then he destroyed the park for like a week after or something like that and then, then took off back to Canada. It, yeah, he was probably still on Barfoot at that time, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, he was on Barfoot. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. That's the kind of thing that, you know. Did he go to Shorty's there afterward, maybe, or something like that? I forget. Yeah, he went Barfoot to Never. He did yeah. Never. And then mm-hmm. when Never became option, I think right at that transition, he, he was on Shorty's. Yeah. And Shorty's was made at the option factory, the Never factory, because those boards were really good. Yeah. And, uh, and, I forgot to be an option. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So many snowboard brands, like awesome. Oh my actually god, been, totally. Like bit the dust. Well, but. when you said subtle, I was like, oh, I remember. Like it brings back full page ad memories, subtle ads that were very not a lot of yeah. not a lot of stuff going on. And it was weird too. We had like, I mean, I feel like the team was really cool. You know, we had Thine and Jason yeah. Bump, myself, oh, yeah. and Travis Wood, and like. uh I want to say maybe it was dresser on time. I can't remember, but uh, put the graphics on it. Where I think Bump did all the graphics, and um, it was just like an S with some wheat in it. You know? a, it was like yeah. such a like yeah. I don't know like high end, you know? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Graphic, you know, kind yeah. of in a way at the time yeah. when when uh, snowboarding was just such a grungy little thing, you know? Yeah, you'd want to put a cartoon skull on it or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's why those joyride boards were so popular. And and the first generation of rides after, you know, the first year where they put the, you know, the cartoon graphic series was, yeah. that's what you wanted to sell to everybody. But also the fucking core guys wanted that. Yeah. Like, oh, I want that Ford with that Sylvester. Like, it's got the flat kicks. Well, and that was the craziest thing yeah. is like when you think about it now, you're like, oh, yeah, well, that wasn't doing you any favors in the pal. But hey, you know, <laughs> we weren't really riding then. I mean, it was all park. I mean, you really, park was life back then. Well, I think the yeah. pendulum had to swing from, there was a lot to do with powder in the first mm. 20 Rob years. Defoe. Oh, Rob, Rob Defoe. Defoe. Yeah. That was like yeah. the, one of the other dudes that was like always, you know, bear local. Down at Bear. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I've talked with him about doing the show. I'd like to yeah. have him on the show for Good sure. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. That bear scene was, I mean, it was represented in the magazines really well. Dude, it was so sick. I mean, like even just like the act of Janamayan, I mean, like, you know, people, a lot of people, especially nowadays don't even know. Right know of Jana Mayan who like was one of the first girls who just like I mean I would ride behind her and I just at the time you know there wasn't a lot of girls like pushing pushing like the technical jib aspect of what Jana was doing and like you'd behind you'd ride behind her and you're like hey who's that who's that guy yeah like he's crushing it and yeah. then you'd be like what that's a girl and you know it sounds a little sexist nowadays but yeah. like at the time it was like there wasn't a lot of girls like so, Tina and Shannon. Yeah, Tina, and, Shannon, and, you know, Barrett, and Morgan, Megan, LaFont. and Morgan, and yeah, that was yeah, kind of yeah. kind of it. So, yeah. And and it was such a different scene. It wasn't like, those those are mostly all, you know, Pacific Northwest, or they were like, you know, Big Mountain, or, you know. Yeah, Victoria was definitely like, yeah. you know, 
the queen at yeah. that time. The most amount of coverage because she's on Burton. I mean, Burton I, was was yeah. was buying not buying their way into the mags. They were playing the game the best. Yeah, they were they were getting their guys to shoot with staff photographers all the time, submitting ten to one photos compared to everybody else in the industry. I remember, yeah, I remember those those times. Yeah, that was crazy. The uh, yeah, but I don't know. Like nowadays, it's it's amazing. You you know, I just did that it's tits thing with Rad. Barrett and sat on their little panel, and it was just amazing with Kimra and like you look around and you're just like, there's so many amazing women in the sport now it's like jess put a lot of effort in on women's behalf yeah. saying like we're still a little way far yeah. behind yeah. the uninvited was you know it's hard to believe she's done three of those movies and the the industry has completely changed it feels like yeah. from five years ago like because the most interesting stuff right now for todd richard said it i agree with them is watching women's progression because you don't know what's going to happen. They're yeah. they're they're getting that much better every every and season. Crushing it. It's yeah. so nice to see. Super fun. Super fun. Yeah, so, but anyway, so uh K2. Let's 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 dive into K2. What era of um, K2 is this? Lance Pittman and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I got out right and, and Mark Frank Montoya <laughs> like. Uh yeah, actually no, I don't think I think I was after Mark. It was I got on right when Blue got the job and this was 2000 and uh I want to say it was like 2001 or okay. something like that. I yeah. mean, I don't have a timeline in front of me, but like, yeah, I think it was around that era. Uh, blue, I subtly just went out of business, and then I so I didn't really know what I was going to do at the time. I knew I was in between sponsors, I wasn't making a ton of money at the time, and I was kind of broke, so I was just like, Well, I don't know what I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna I'll get a job at this Italian restaurant, uh, it's called Tucci's in Salt Lake City, and like, I'll just <laughs> I just save up a little bit of cash and then I'll, you know, continue to, until I find out like what I'm going to do. But anyway, but uh, Jared Jared Winkler, you know, if, if you know him, he uh, I know he runs name. all the park and uh, does. I don't know. He's actually probably a big dog now over at, uh, at Brighton. But uh, he he used to work at Tucci's and was a manager there. So he got like totally got me a job. And it was just funny because like I know I worked there for like two months or something. But I would call. I would be like, Hey Jared, um, just wanted to let you know that I can't make it today. Uh, I'm in Colorado. We're shooting because I was st- still filming and still trying to do things. Oh, but I'm like, no. yeah, um, the jump's pretty good, so I can't really make it to work today. I'm gonna have to be. Uh, I'll be in next week. And he's like, all right, cool. And like, it was really? always he was so supportive. It oh, was amazing. Wow. He was amazing. always just like, sounds good. I'll find somebody to cover it. You know, and he was never stressed. Like, yeah, no, I- and he probably maybe it was internally, but like, I think he knew that I was just like, you know, obviously I was just kind of there to. To be to be honest, I kind of like a little bit of it. I kind of liked the idea of getting a job, just to be like, I haven't had a job, had to interact with people on yeah. a on a customer kind of level. Um, so I thought it was good. I just waiting tables. I thought it was like just a good experience. Just like I've always kind of just done things in life, just based on the experience, and I thought that would be good, just to yeah, see what. The service industry is like when i got my <laughs> first real job out in the world after working at the boardroom for 12 years as a mailman one of the things i loved was that i didn't have that bought loyalty to some brand yeah you, you know what i mean like when you can pick anything you want in snowboarding like build your kit from any company oh there's nothing better yeah it's cool yeah um but then, yeah so then i um ultimately like i i got a job well blue was my roommate at the time, um, or just after. And he was like, he's like, yeah, um, 
I'm going to interview for that K2 role. And so he ended up interviewing for that K2 team manager role and got the job. And then I, you know, I shortly followed after onto the team and, uh, the rest is kind of history on that end. Like I, it was like me, Travis, he brought up Louis Fountain, signed Ville, Brian, uh, Brian Savard. Oh, Savard, right. I'm yeah. like our so guy. I was like, man, yeah, I haven't yeah, talked to him uh, in a long time. Brian Savard. Sick, yeah. And uh, Chris Inglesman. Not, and, oh, uh, yeah. I'm probably missing a ton of other right, people. Right. Yeah. But uh, it was just kind of, it was a cool little crew, you know. And Pittman. And Pittman. Like I was saying, yeah. Pittman was. Uh, yeah, he was on the tail end of that K2 thing, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, that was K2, the K2 vibes on there. Did you guys travel as a team or were you just kind of independents all over the place? We were kind of, we didn't really as a travel as like a K2 team. Like, I mean, there was maybe a couple trips here and there, but like for the most part, we were all traveling together anyway because like mm-hmm. we all, I mean, Chris was, Chris was filming for Standard. I was filming for Standard. Travis was filming for Standard. Uh, I think Louis might have filmed for a little bit. Um, and then, you know, shortly after we, you know, we started doing the robot food stuff. And then, so, and then we all just kind of went into that zone and then we all just traveled anyway. So it was, robot food was a, would have been awesome. Yeah. It awesome. was a good little, um, yeah, it was a good era. Yeah. Cause it, robot food kind of got in there when things were so big that it was almost not fun to watch anymore. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to show up at an event where you're like, all right, so we're all going to risk our life, like everybody. Yeah. Every, everyone's going to risk their life today. When we started Robot Food, it was more of just based around, like, we were just frustrated with the lack of uh, control that we had over the creativity of, one, not so much of our snowboarding, but, like, the the way our snowboarding was portrayed. Yeah. And that's, like, via music or, like, the way the edits ran or whatever. And, you know, like, and I think for the time, you know, standard did a great I mean they were amazing they always have a place in history their yes. films were great yes. but they were always pretty cookie cutter in a way of like how they approached it TB4 is the same approach as TB8 you know like <laughs> yeah. so it was just kind of like the same kind of formula and we were just tired of it so um, I remember we were in Hemsworth all together it was like like Jess Gibson who was filming for the time for Standard and then um, it was like UC and Johnny Mackinnon myself Travis uh and I think Inglesman was there maybe. And then, um, and I'm probably missing some other people. I think Pierre Wickberg or something like that because we were in Hems at all. Um, the, we just had like this meeting of the minds kind of thing like this. Hey, we're going to revolt basically. Wow. And we talked about building, you know, hey, let's, we should do our own thing. And it was more based around like just, you know, creative freedom of being able to like control the music, control like, the you know, just every aspect of it and um, the filler the vibe yeah the, w- the way the parts are laid and we wanted to have fun out. we didn't yes. want to like hot box the editing room we just wanted to like do as much as like just create a lot of fun things and let our personality shine a little more and um and yeah and that's kind of how it spawns we all went back and then we you know kudos to gibson and uh, to jess gibson and pierre wickberg for they really took the took charge of like kind of owning the structure of it i mean as snowboarders we're all we're all just kind of all over the place. And Benedict, sorry, Benedict. that's one I missed too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Benedict did a great, you know, we all we all kind of like, it was new, it was fresh, it was something we all wanted, we're invested in. And it was ours. Like, so that was what, what changed. Like with Standard or MagDog or whatever, and you were filming with those guys, it didn't really, didn't really uh, feel, it never felt like it was your own. You were just kind of building your part, you know? Right. This was like And more, the pressure, I can yeah. imagine the pressure just being insane. Yeah, you know, and so like you, you're out, you, you know, a lot of times you get you go on trips, 
people you maybe don't gel with or whatever. Yeah. But um, but with us, it was like cool because we got to pick like we want this person. Like we all love this guy. Let's get this guy. Well, you know, and huh. and it was funny because originally I remember it being really tough sell on a lot of the sponsors at the time, like a lot of our, our writer sponsors, because everyone was like, "What you're gonna?" It was so just breaking the mold. Yeah. And no one yeah. wanted to. No one wanted to invest in it. There's only a couple, of, a couple like companies that were like, "Oh, this sounds awesome. I'm in." Wow. For you know, fifty grand or whatever the hell it was back then to invest in the, like sponsorships. Hell and yeah! Stuff. Right. Right. And. uh so I know I remember Burton was very apprehensive about it um, and the support for UC and and uh, and everyone and um, and yeah I mean but we finally you know they finally came around and that was like one of the big the big sponsors we had locked in like I think once once UC was in it was like okay because he was such a like legend even at the time uh, yeah he was larger than life oh I mean he's yeah. so incredibly good. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. And so, I don't know, it was just like one of those things where like, finally we got all the sponsors that put some trust in us. And um, yeah, and then the rest kind of... The proof is in the pudding. Like It was a game changer. Well, it was cool. Across it was the industry. There's so many moments, like example, like, you know, myself and Travis Parker and Louis Fountain are bored one day and we're like, what do we, what do you want to do today? And one of us is like, let's go to Home Depot and build a robot. It's robot food, right? Yeah. So we just went out and like literally with the shopping cart down an aisle going, this looks like it'll fit an arm, make an arm. This looks like a, you know, like a head part. <laughs> this is like, so we just bought a bunch of sheet metal and everything else that was silver and some silver spray paint and actually made this robot suit. And, uh, and who knew it was going to be so iconic for like, you know, the, that project. It was as much of a game changer in the industry then as Travis's, uh, that's it that's all would be yeah right like there was because it wasn't just the riding it was the filming the filming yeah. was also very you know you know it wasn't the long shot follow of yeah. standard it, it was it just and it the way it was it. yeah the way it was edited it was so easy to watch and that's the thing robot food came out and it was like let's like it's over let's watch it again let's go riding tonight Let's get yeah, I think crew. that's one of the biggest compliments is people would watch it to like to get pumped up to go snowboarding. Hundred percent. And so like and you know I can remember look back and like hard hard hungry and homeless like I'd watch that before I go snowboarding. You know 100%. like how do I get fired up and uh, you know people are watching something you do to get fired up to go snowboarding. You know it feels pretty good. Success. Yes. Yeah. The music part of the early movies like you could put on the soundtrack from or like some no effects song from. I mean, you had a road killer or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And then it felt like you were going to do what they were doing in the movies. Then you'd go hit side hits and do yeah. your, your silly stuff. But yeah. There, do, do everything half as, half as high. Or quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Quarter of that. Yeah. <laughs> Being a part of robot food. Like, man, what a history. Like, yeah, man. It was the things I'm most proud of, I guess, in a way, is like probably, you know, robot food was definitely having the ability to help influence that, you know, and cool. And, uh, I think that's just a real cool opportunity. And then also too, I mean, like the memories from traveling with all those guys, it was like, <clears throat> sure. You travel with people for like, I mean, we only did it for three years. It's, it's crazy when you think about it. Like it's nuts. literally it's three years. Yeah. And, um, so traveling with all those guys for three years and just being just so united in, in one common goal, you know, and it changed, it's different than, than being like, Oh yeah, you got thrown in with a crew and your crew's changing up all the time. And like, you know, and through thick and thin, we all had each other's backs and we we're like, even there was like little, little, uh, 
when I say like factions, so to say, like, oh, you know, those, the Euros are stayed together, you know, and like Travis and myself and like a couple of those stayed together or whatever. But for the most part, we all rode together and we all like, it was just, I don't know, it was just a real cool, real cool opportunity to like, to, to do something together. And like, that's, I think that's where the motivation was is, well, at least it was a big part of it is the fact that like, you really felt united. Like, and if you were, if you didn't have the part right, if you were like, weren't living, like you weren't living up to your end. So you were like, tried harder. Cause like, yeah. I don't want to fail, like, and let Travis and the group bend it right. down right. and like the other robots down. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't. So you really tried, uh, for the most part. And then it was cool because everyone had their own ability, you know, everyone, like Benedict had a, a, a huge influence on the art, you know, and, and a lot of the poster graphics and designed all of the, like, um, the packaging and and everything and i remember know, we, thinking at the time that he was the best snowboarder in the in the world yeah, like seeing amazing. his part i i remember seeing the first one in it, it was lame right it was lame and then after lame it was after bang after bang after bang and then lame, lame and then, then after lame so i remember after bang his part being like i've never heard of this guy who the hell is this guy he's the best yeah and then lame same deal and and being like he kind of came out of nowhere to me. Yeah, he he's very, was so talented. I mean, unbelievably talented. I think he was was he on Solomon at the time? I think he was on Solomon. Yeah, but yeah. all those Euro dudes were like inceptionally good. Like yeah. they're used to. I mean, it's a, it was a different like I don't know. It's just a different level of of uh, snowboarding. You know, when you grow up and it's ingrained in the culture of your DNA, like basically like all the European Scandinavian riders like. They grow up snowboarding as a family. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. They go up to the mountains as a family. Like it's, it's amazing. It's they have a, a holiday, a month long holiday for like <laughs> ski vacation. Uh, like I love it. you're like wow, um, or something like that. But so, how long do you do at K two? Like, four or uh, five years? I, I think I was five years at K two, um, and then yeah, I mean it was a great time. Like I I knew I knew the end was nigh. <laughs> What was um, what were the harbingers of the end? Um, I just was start, starting to like kind of get disengaged. In You've it, been doing it for a long. Been time. Been doing it a long time, and then also you know it's like you know you're you just I just started to to lose interest in a lot of like the passion of it. I still loved it. I you know loved it every bit of it, but I still was like kind of like, eh, well, I'm you know like I think I was 33 years old at the time or something like that. And I was like man, I got to like think of what's next. And then when you start thinking of what's next, it just starts eating at you. Like, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And then I just started kind of, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of dwelling on it a little bit and like just trying to make sure that I was going to set myself up right for, for, uh, for what was next. And then, um, I started writing for, before KT went out, I started writing for, um, cause I think they dropped clothing at the time. And then, so I started writing for mission six for, for oh, sick outerwear for a minute. And, and they were cool, um, and he kind of like knew the direction I was going in my life, and he was just like, "Hey, w- why don't you be like our team manager slash writer, like the team captain kind Sick. of way?" And then, um, which means team captain means you're going to transition into team writer, <laughs> team uh, team uh, team, team manager at some point. Yeah, uh, yeah. But like, why don't you you know you can do this, and then we you know maybe we can transition into marketing or whatever. And I was like. All right. Well, yeah. I still want to snowboard. You know, I don't want to totally walk away from it. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to like learn some other, some other uh, skills in life or whatever. And uh, and so he he's like, yeah, um, 
can you put together like a, a plan uh, what you would do for marketing for like you know let's just say it's like 70 grand and I was like Seventy thousand dollars. Oh my God, that's so much money. Yeah, seventy grand. So a whole year, seventy grand. Wow. Okay, okay. Let me add this up. All right. So every Trans World ad. Okay, that's five thousand. You know, and then the team riders. Okay, and then there's promo product and like. And next thing you know, I'm like, what? Wait a minute. I'm I'm like seventy thousand dollars over seventy thousand. Like what? Like this isn't possible. I'm like, what? And I, so it was like a real quick lesson <laughs> in like the business aspect of it is yeah. like, yeah, I mean, it costs money. So and, much uh, money. And the battle that I would soon have to have throughout my whole life of managing a budget and trying to make it all work. <laughs> Unreal. That Mission 6 clothing was so awesome. Well, they were ahead of the time. They had that like, uh, they had stretchy material. Yeah. And thin, yeah. like cool feeling material. Yeah. I think it was the first, the first company to come out with like stretchy outerwear. It was epic. Yeah. It was cool. Like fit. The, the fit, fit the was style. A, the, fit was a little, felt like it was a little off, but like the. Little big The maybe? design. It was just like, like short arms, kind of like short uh -huh. arms and uh -huh. like, I don't know. It, there were some things that I was kind of annoyed with it, but. I thought they were on the forefront of something. They were. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely were. Uh, who were who were the guys on the team? Dude, I don't even remember. It was such it was kind of a quick stint. So what was the deal with the owner? I I seem to remember feeling like it was uh, one of those ones where like Rome or something where it was like someone high up at Burton was like leaving Bert to start uh the, I don't know. I I know the owner came from somewhere, but um I think that like they were hurting. I think that okay. they were like at the time they had like hit their peak and they were kind of coming down. Oh, and okay. It was like one of those things where they didn't have a lot of investing dollars. They had a yeah, they had yeah. a pretty short stint, but yeah. when they were doing it, that I I instantly understood what yeah, they I'm were doing. Yeah, spacing on his cool. name, but uh, I haven't seen him forever. I want to say it was like Mike or something, but um, but he was he yeah he was awesome. He was always like treated me with a ton of respect and like he was a good dude. Um, and that transitions you into a team manager type. Well, role. I kind of I ended up I actually like shortly after that K two um, ended up um, like not resigning my contract. Was there a new TM or yeah yeah because yeah. that usually happens right yeah yeah Ryan Rucky yeah uh, my new team manager shout out for uh not resigning my contract <laughs> uh but at the end of the day i wasn't too bummed like i literally like was in my i was just in the mindset of like okay this and i knew it was coming like, i just mentally yeah. i transitioned yeah, yeah. i know it and uh and it's fine like and i remember like the phone call that day um i literally talked to ryan and i was like okay cool and it, you know i could have i mean i could have still like tried to milk it and still kind of like you know, got another sponsor and then it would just been this big, long, like kind of like, I just didn't want to go through it again. And then, so, and I love snowboarding, but I didn't want to be like, I just didn't want to, I, I just felt it was time. Yeah. And so I basically said, all right, cool. I hung up the phone and I like, literally I shed a tear. Like I, I literally yeah. thought back of my, this is a true story. Totally. I shut off the phone and I said, that's it. That's the end of my snowboarding career. And I, I, had I shed a tear. I literally had to wipe my eyes, and I was like, "Man, that was." I'm I'm happy, I'm happy with it, and I just kind of like that point. I I kind of took, like I don't know, solace in the fact that I like my career and and everything, and just kind of walked away from it, kind of on my terms, instead of like trying to like, oh, I tried and I couldn't make it again. So right. I felt like I right. felt like I walked away from it on my terms, and I was happy with my career. Um, and then 
I decided to just go off and like, you know, and decided to go dive in, in, uh, Long Island and, uh, just did this high dive show thing. And, uh, I got a phone call from Nike at the time and they're like, it's actually Nemo looking for someone to work at Nike. And, uh, that was like, basically they were looking for someone who could work grassroots marketing in Southern California, could cruise around. Do you need to get, get that? No, no, no I'm fine. Okay. Could cruise around and give out shoes and stickers and still kids out in a van like this wow. Nike van and I was wow. like uh, sign me up <laughs> yeah so I, I basically packed all my things I left I came out to Southern California and uh, I, for literally for two months I, all I did was cruise around all of Southern California every single day and go to skate parks and for for their like Nike put together this new you know this little action sports brand called Nike 6.0 at the time 6.0 sick and at the same time they were doing Nike SB right it was, was something different was, what was the difference between SB and 6.0 well SBO SB was I think you're thinking of ACG but uh, S, S, uh, SB was um, was uh, their whole skate skateboarding thing and they were doing that 100% right it was like they were crushing it it was like um, but then they had ACG but they were kind of they kind of killed ACG they were kind of like it was on the, the back end and uh and so 6.0 was supposed to replace it. It was going to be this new, like, all-action sports brand. Mm. Um, and I was kind of like, eh, I don't really like the direction here, but I'm going to give it a whirl. And, I mean, I'm getting paid to go skateboard, and I'm getting, you know, maybe there's an opportunity down the line for something. And sure enough, a couple years later, or no, I ended up, like, bringing me on for two years as a, uh, as a contract, like an independent contractor. And I drove the van around all over the place to events and this crazy six wheeled seagull van, like uh, car that they built. That was an AMC Eagle. Two of them combined. It was a dually. <laughs> like oh, it was insane. Wow. They had so much cash and so much like resources to do things that it was just like fun to work for him. Like it was like anything you could dream of, you could get it, you could get it funded. And it was just amazing. And then, uh, and then I ended up, uh, I remember going one day, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going to SIA. And they're like, Hey, like you should go to SIA with this guy. And, and, uh, this guy, John Martin, who, uh, uh, worked for SB at the time. And we went to SIA to kind of take our feelers out about, a, about just a, an only a snowboarding program or like a product. And, uh, when we came back, we like kind of gave him a little heads up, like a uh, Nike, uh, you know, the, the, the higher, the hires up there, uh, that, yeah, I mean like it, it would be great to do it like a Nike snowboarding and, um, and yeah, I don't know. Had they they, they done, signed on for it. And had they done one at that point, or is this the absolute? No, first this was the first one. They had, well, they had done like ACG and stuff. And um, so, and what was a ACG? ACG was their like spin on a, like a an outerwear kind of kind of outerwear, and then I it was had, kind of an outdoorsy. Yeah, I think I had outerwear. one of their big jackets. Yeah. It was like Gore-Tex and yeah. and like you know like pits. Well, I remember like cool I remember being in like this crazy meeting one time, and they were like. You know, hey, ACG makes a hundred and like thirty million a year or something Oof. like that or whatever. And, and I think it was like it was like dropping down, and it was like this projected at seventy now. And then so we're just gonna kill it, and then we'll just you know bring in Nike six And I was just like the whole time I'm like I you know I don't have a business degree, but I'm like that's seventy million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna just turn off the faucet for yeah. seventy million dollars yeah, of just, yeah. revenue. Yeah, they just they just think in bigger terms there. It's like that's not enough for them to like, you know. It's too it's too many problems. It, it, it didn't work with the snowboard industry yeah. because it was like the on again, off again of it made it more difficult each time you started up. It felt like. 
Yeah, it. Well, I mean, they kept trying to do it under different like monikers or whatever, and just kind to of a like, consumer, it was like, "Hey, Nike's making boots again." I'm like, "Again? Yeah. Like why? They just kill? Didn't they just have to pay out contracts to people, and they didn't have boots for them? Like, what the fuck? What are these guys doing?" It yeah. seemed crazy to someone to whom which seventy million dollars yeah. is ten lifetimes of. Well, for- money for me yeah i mean like there's a lot of overhead and a lot of i'm sure right, there's a lot right, of things right, right, on a right, spreadsheet you don't right. we don't you don't right, privy course, to see but of course um also if you're the biggest in one category it's hard yeah. to go in and not be the biggest well, dude, they can like make a billion dollars on socks so they don't even have to market right so like why why what's this line item so what does it cost so much money to be yeah, in like, yeah. we got to pay all these athletes and where are we in the industry are we the number one guy yeah, are we in yeah. the best shops now you know what we're not doing that great or yeah. we're only going to do 70 billion or whatever you're like yeah or 70 million but but anyway long story story short let's talk about sb because being there would have been so rad it was cool man it was like they were you know well sb was like the cool kids like they were the cool kids on the block they were the coolest kids on campus like by far and uh so they were doing everything right like they're you know their dunk program and they're like they just represented skateboarding really well and how and authentically and how like i felt like should that's how nike should represent snowboarding so ultimately um they had decided yeah let's do a nike snowboarding pattern it basically of what we're doing off of at nike sb rad nike skateboarding and so that was a great times and it was like awesome we got you know i got to handpick the team and uh you know i we didn't we didn't go out immediately and get like the biggest names like that was what what everybody thought we were going to do like at the time like oh it's nike they're going to go out and they're going to get sean white like right. that was the you know and at that time you know obviously he was the biggest name in snowboarding yeah but no we're like we're, well we're danny gonna, cass is pretty close well, danny was after danny came late after. oh so oh, like know. yeah so it was like first off we got justin benny Nice. And then we got Laura Hadar. Nice. And then we got like like Austin Smith and like oh we got all these like uh really like we, we really focused and honed in on younger younger cool like people who were Nike who would be fans of Nike. So that was kind of like our goal. And then Danny came along, the opportunity for Danny really kind of like took you know, obviously took it to the next level and Danny was, you know, still one of the biggest names in snowboarding at Absolutely. that time so like for him to shift over to us to to nike at the time was was pretty big it was pretty huge um but yeah i think uh my biggest thing on that is like i mean i could talk for days about that but like for the most part it was like they just we just did it right like that was like what we tried to do is just do and what you know every decision that i made in my position over there was like based around like what's how can Nike help snowboarding? And that's what I tried to like cool. really hone in on in a sense of like, is I would always judge it off of like, is it right for snowboarding? Will this help move snowboarding forward or, or, you know, but there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen over there. Hell yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and once Nike snowboarding and Nike 6.0 got merged together and then we had multiple brand managers and multiple like team managers that like everyone took different positions and like the it kind of ended up losing a little bit of its focus which turned it turned it very heavily into a uh into the contest side of things which was which was uh not really the direction i thought maybe we should have we didn't need sure we should have a, we should have had a presence in, in the contest side side of it but i didn't think it needed to be as heavy on that you know, we had Nicholas Mueller, we had Giggy Ruff, we had Danny Cass, 
you know, like we had Annie Boulanger. We had like all these people who were just like the top of their games, you know. And and then we also had like a ton of, of contest kids that were like, would, you know, every one of those guys cost money. Yes. And so in the next end of the day, and, and no offense to like them, I think it's awesome. That no, they're, like, they're, yeah, they're I mean, worth the money. And I'm great to like support them, like whatever. But like, I didn't. We didn't need to have thirty riders on our team. We just needed like six. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, that was yeah kind of it. Like I didn't need thirty of them. And so ultimately, like we were spending so much money in sports marketing that I think that was like one of the big reasons uh, for its downfall as well. Well, that kind of is cool when you look at it from the point of view, a neutral observer point of view of snowboarding. Like what you were saying, like what can Nike do for snowboarding? Well, first of all, they've got resources. Yeah. So they can put some of these professional athletes at a level of income that is on par with professional athletes, right? And like superstars that doesn't exist anymore. Well, I mean, we flew, we flew all over the world first class. <laughs> it's awesome. Every Nike athlete I've talked to, yeah. like Spencer O'Brien was just like, you have no idea. Yeah. Annie was like she's like we would go to like master class seminars like yeah. nike would bring us to an event and there would be some insanely intelligent person there yeah talking about sports marketing to help us with our imaging you know it, it just sounded like it was a completely different thing from everybody else yeah i mean like we when we uh came out with the zoom force one like before we even came out with it we were like to test the product we were we were going to shoot it in russia with nemo and trevor graves and everybody we were going to get one of those hyperbolic planes and with you know owned by the russian military or whatever so we flew to moscow to like all of our we all flew first class to moscow or whatever to wow. go there and float around in these like you know with the having the boot float in the air and take photos of it and no. be like yeah that's how we're going to advertise the zoom force <laughs> one like this is going to be it and you uh, couldn't just throw it up in the air and take a picture no I, like it had to be <laughs> had to be in a plane <laughs> uh ultimately that didn't happen because we uh like there was a commercial shoot some for a car company or something that needed an extra day and we had we had such a tight schedule the way it had so you guys in. flew to Moscow first class and then flew back yeah. to wherever you were. Yeah, flew there and um, yeah, flew. Then we flew straight to to uh, Switzerland to wow. go test the boots on the snow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah. The the athletes that rode those boots, you know, yeah, Spencer O'Brien kept. She, you know, when when the program was closing, she said she called and said, "I need every size nine of her boot style that you've yeah. got there. I it still cool, have man. budget. We, like, send me all that." Yeah. Yeah, the level of product was like exceptional. Like it was like they elevated the game in product and elevated like pretty much everything about the game. The way athletes were treated, the way they got paid, the like like the perception of a snowboarder, you know, like as a as an you know, I love it or hate the word, but as an athlete, you know, or you know, an influencer, right? You know, they they properly treated treated them well. That's sick. You know, as, as well as we could. How about you? you? Did you make good money while you were there? You feel like Yeah, I mean, I, I made okay money. It wasn't like, I mean, I didn't make any million dollars or something. But, you know, at the time, I was traveling the world with dudes and, like, with the team. And, you know, kind of like, uh, 
still living the lifestyle, but just not with any of the like stress of having to kill myself off of like this 120 foot jump that's like solid ice that I don't want to hit <laughs> anymore. You know, I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So you're, yeah. I just had to tell somebody else to do it. You know? <laughs> oh God, how hard is that? Oh, uh, I, I don't ever, I, I always, hey man, it's, it's up to the rider. It always is up to the rider. Yep. I'm not, I'm not into telling people what they have to do when it's, it's their trick or, you know, their decision. So that should never, it should never be a team manager telling a snowboarder what he needs to do as far as if a trick is concerned, yeah, like a, a yeah. feature or whatever. And also it's just bad form. Like yeah. I, I remember Jason Ford talking about how he felt at Burton after the TM came in and berated Brushy in front of him, said like, you know, one more third place like that. Yeah. Brush, you might not be on the team anymore. And Jason Ford was like, they would can Brushy? He's the best in the world. Like, who <laughs> would come in and say that? What? Yeah. what how is that going to motivate a guy, first of all? Second yeah. of all, it, it just feels bad for everybody in the room. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things like, you know, there's obligations you have as a as a employee of, because that's what you are. Like, if you're a sponsored writer, at the end of the day, you are an employee. You're getting paid you're being compensated to, to ride and represent that company. So there yes. are certain things that you've got to do. And I, yep. you know, every job sucks. Yes. Yes. Every job has its, its benefits and then it's, you know, and the, the part about it that sucks. Right. And as awesome as snowboarding is, there's stuff that sucks. Yeah. You got to go and sit for eight hours and sign autographs at a shop. Yep. That part kind of sucks, but Hey, sure. that's your job. Like, you know, so or hitting, you know, you're going out and filming some stuff, and you know, you, you there's a lot of money that goes into people traveling all over the world getting shots. You know, you just gotta you gotta do it. But yes, but it's not your place as a as a team manager or a brand manager or whatever to tell somebody that they have to hit a hit an icy kicker and you right. know, and flat light or whatever it is. Yeah, your part's missing a seven or something. Like yeah. get out there and or that seven you did's too small or whatever it is. Yeah. No, the micromanaging thing for sure. Well. I think the hardest part to an outsider looking in would be when you got to cut somebody or when you've got to, when there's a budget cut, you got to cut everybody's pay or whatever the hell, where you've got to go in and just be Dude, like. That's the worst part is like when you have to cut people. Yeah. Because they, a lot of times they think it's you and they're like, they're like oh, you know, it's personal. Right. And I'm like, dude, right. I'm like looking at a line items the same. My boss is looking at line items and he's saying, you got to shave off money. And I can't shave off money from like other aspects of the job. I've like, I have fought like to a point where I've almost been let go for riders, but you, it's on the back end. Like they, people don't see it, you know, and, and it sucks to be in that position. But I mean, that's every, every job in life. You're going to be presented at a point if you're a manager or you work at a company where you're going to have to make decisions like that. And it's not fun. Did you move to We Are Camp directly from Nike? No, I went to uh, DC. As soon as Nike killed their snowboarding program, I, I moved over to, I was like, I probably stayed along uh, for about six months until I was like, I, I just don't see myself here with like, I I don't want, I don't have any ambition to go into running or like desire to go to football or something like that. Like I just, yeah. it's not in my culture. There's nothing left for me here. Yeah. And so 
Yeah, I just looked at it as a great learning experience. I mean, ten years at Nike, I learned a lot. I didn't go to I didn't go to college. I mean, like Nike was my college. Like I learned Sick. a shitload of stuff there about marketing, about presentation, about like managing budgets and like planning. You know, planning your year out. There's there's tons, so much stuff that I taught, or excuse me, I learned that was life lessons. You know, and uh, so yeah, at that time I was just like, I just don't want to. I I still want to dedicate myself to snowboarding and so uh dave appel called me up from dc and he's like hey i i know they just killed that program over there is there any interest you'd want to come over to dc and i was like yeah i mean i'm totally interested what's that move from like from oregon to oregon to southern california southern california yeah 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 and i ended up like you know interviewed for with, with jeff uh jeff taylor who was in you know worked at dc as a brand manager there and dude's an old pro skateboarder and like Rad. awesome guy and yeah i'm like wait my boss is going to be an old pro skateboarder i'm like this is awesome so like uh, yeah i ended up taking the job and and working with the team and everyone over there was great i worked you know we we basically we had free reign for like same similar situation kind of at nike i mean not with the budgets but obviously right right no one has that, that money and we didn't have a ton <laughs> of money but like we had freedom and like we weren't under the microscope and we could do the cool things in snowboarding like things that we thought were like would move the needle from a cool factor or just things that we wanted we were interested in yeah and um and that's what's it compelling to me like that's kind of i look back and i'm like oh man those are great times like yeah I mean, as soon as we got there then same with everything like eventually like snowboarding bigger companies this is how it works like you're under the radar until you're not and when you're normally you're not under the radar you're either one you're either failing so bad that <laughs> you're like you're on you're on the radar because they're going to cut your program right. or number two you're doing such a good job that they're looking at growth and they're like well look what snowboarding's doing and so then they're like hey we need to push push, push growth, push growth, which ultimately kills your brand in a sense of like, then they push so hard that they want double digit, triple digit growth. Like, yeah. And then you, they ultimately, you know, you're forced to make decisions that aren't what's right for snowboarding. And then, and that's where you, you know, that's where you come, that's where the failure starts to seep in. Were you way after Mountain Lab or were you? After Mountain Lab. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I, that's when DC got on my radar as somewhere that looked like they really got it, like a fun. And then I talked to Devin about it. He's like, "Yeah, Mountain Lab. I hated going there." Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, early DC was awesome, and like that's kind of like we were coming off of, you know, the hangover of uh, of that, and you know, Quicksilver had bought it. Um, oh, see, I didn't even know. Yeah, so know. Quicksilver owns like well, not no longer now. They've created this conglomerate corporation called Board Riders, and they own like they own. Um, element and dc and quicksilver and roxy and there's a bunch of other brands Ooh, in there that's that I'm, big yeah that I'm, uh, missing but it's like yeah then becomes like your category and you are a, a line item or whatever and yeah and ultimately same thing like they just push 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 want all this crazy growth and you know and i just felt that i just i just was i was tired of it <laughs> yeah yeah the pressure's a lot and uh, and I was on a trip with Japan, uh, with uh, with the DC team actually, Sick. which is awesome. But by the way, the DC team, like our team riders, yeah, they were fucking awesome. Like the team riders, the people I worked with, Dave Appel, um, Rob, and uh, uh, Rob doing all the outerwear, and it's just like, it was just a great, great team. Like sales. Salesforce, like everything, everybody was just awesome, good dudes, and it was just like refreshing to go over to there and 
see people who were truly focused on the culture of snowboarding and the culture of uh, skateboarding over there. So it was great. But, um, you know, after five years over there, it was just like one of those things where I'm like, you know, it started to, to wane, shift in that direction of like triple growth. When are we getting into skiing? Oh, you know, no, it's like, we're no, not, that's impossible. Oh yeah. That was like really? a t- total topic. And they, I mean, the person is no longer there anymore that, you know, suggesting that. Yeah. But it's just <laughs> yeah, like yeah, one of those yeah. things where it's just like, it just was constant. And I don't know. I just got kind of tired of fighting and you've and, been uh, i just need a break you've it's, been tight with with trevor forever right yeah trevor graves yeah and when you sign on here i can imagine a conversation where there's like spitballing about like what this could become well uh, yeah i mean i i did my due diligence i talked to a lot of people yeah. you know I, you know just to to see what the perception would be of uh coming to work for a small camp you know in people's eyes whatever but for me it was just like i just wanted to, to take a break from that corporate life of like fighting for snowboarding <laughs> right there and right. To just actually come to a smaller company and see what i could do for snowboarding and and with like-minded individuals and uh and camp had such a big influence on me and everybody in the industry that i've known and so yeah it was it was kind of like and I wanted to get back to Pacific Northwest. I love Portland. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just like a no brainer. Like yeah. after talking to Kevin English about the job and like he, you know, I was in, like I said, I was in Japan and I was like on a trip, filming trip. And I'm just like getting these emails or phone calls from him. And I'm like, nah, I think I might, you know, here's my resume. I'll try it out. And, and ultimately, yeah, I took the job and, and, uh, you know, the rest of the history, I guess, in a way, I, yeah. I no qualms. I look back and I'm like, man, like, I think it was the right call. Um, yeah, I'm just happy. Like, with camps, like, for camp, it's like one of those things, like, everybody's been to camp. If you listen to the bomb hole or any other podcast, anyone who talks about snowboarding talks about, like, who's successful in, or has a role in snowboarding talks about camp. Yeah. And so, like, I look at that and I'm like, man, like, the opportunity to still be involved in in camp and to still like shape the kids of the future. Yeah. It's like, it's like, how do I pass that up? If you're running it through the filter you've been using as as like, what's the best good I can do for snowboarding. It's hardly anywhere. And there's nowhere else in in the industry that has this big an effect on so many people. Yeah. You have each group of campers comes through and these are going to be your next competitive kids. These are going to be your next kids in the industry, like people that have taken to this thing that got got the bug that we got. Yeah. Like where it's like I'm going to snowboard. Their parents have recognized, you know what? Maybe there's an opportunity here. We should send our kids to camp or to the academy or whatever. Like it selects for that kind of authenticity that you're talking about. Well, I grew up in Southern California in the IE, like the 909 Fontana, California. And I, if it wasn't for snowboarding, I don't know what, what I what I'd be doing. I don't, you know, like <laughs> wasn't like I was going to be a pro skateboarder or anything. Like, right. if I hadn't discovered snowboarding, I would probably be a, a pretty shitty dirtbag. <laughs> like, I, you know, That's in Montana still, I maybe not even have made it out. Who knows? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I yes. probably had face tattoos or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I love it, dude. But yeah, I don't know. Not to say anybody who's got face tattoos is a dirtbag. I'm just saying. I probably would be in a different spot. No, Bozong um, is uh, yeah. the opposite. I'm, 
I'm just have a. You I, know, I want to have him on the show. What a he's yeah. What he's a such a wild dude. Wild uh, motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you ever team manage him? Did you ever have to? No, no, no. I never team managed him. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I ran him quite a bit. When we were living in Salt Lake. You know, yeah. at one point, like Salt Lake was, you know, obviously the hub for just a minute. Everything. Yeah, everything yeah. just kind of bounced around. Like yes, Southern California, and then I went to Salt Lake, and then I feel like, well, maybe it was like Southern California, Denver. Well, not Denver, but I. What was that like Breckenridge area? Like yeah, Breck, at that time, sure. I think yeah. I think it was going. It was like Breck and and Bear, yeah, <laughs> like kind of competed against each other. And then we all like ultimately moved to Utah to, to go ride. So there was snow. like a Whistler scene for yeah, a while Whistler, there too. Like yeah, yeah, yeah Tahoe obviously. Well, the Whistler yeah. was like, I mean, I don't even include it because it was such a like magical mythical place out in up north that you're like there's no way we'll ever get to go there yes you know kind of yeah like yeah i mean you just just stay down here in the south (laughs) (laughs) totally totally yeah there's so much love in snowboarding and and the different crews that's for me learning the history of snowboarding through interviewing people past and present i've just i just love connecting it all and seeing oh okay yeah colorado was a central place that people from east coast west coast scenes could could and even canada could come down and compete and the, and the way that media works like me reaching out to you being like hey we got to do the vans week because everybody's in the same place at the same time yeah like it's still the same those same things are still going on right like yeah i mean i just got two two days of a, of a break and it all just a break that it never stopped here. Yes. <laughs> like, you yes. know what I mean? Like I took yes. two days off, but like I literally just transitioned into another session where all of the Solomon guys will be here destroying this place. Yeah, It'll be like, and it was capita before yeah, and Vans it was, cap- was yeah. here. And it's just like, it doesn't stop yes. all summer. And uh, especially too, this has been such a great snow year. Yeah. Incredible. Um, I don't know. It's just nice to be in the, in the, you know, the hub of, of summer snowboarding the signature series uh camps would focus around a person that's yeah. a lot of pressure well i think the biggest thing is like i i kind of changed away changed those from focusing on just individual riders to like the brand solely because i wanted the individual rider to have more power from the brand and from us to promote them like, yes. Whereas before, it, like it was a little loose. Like you, you know, you'd have a signature session athlete, whatever, and then it's like, is there, is there, are there sponsors involved? Like, right. are they gonna, are right. they gonna support him? Right. Like, right. and so I felt like it's well, if you have more, if you have the actual brand come out as a signature session, then we can all talk about the rider, and we can talk about the riders and their brand, and like, it's so it's so all like smarter. a holistic yeah. a- attack kind of right. In a way. Right. Um, and then you can have the the authenticity of the brand come out right to have steve van dorn here making waffles i don't know if he was making them for the campers or for the campers are giving out ice cream (laughs) and like all kinds of stuff you know it's like and the brand has an opportunity to come out here and and it's their it's their opportunity yeah however they want to engage in it right it's up to them so they want to come out and like and just kill it when bring an events team or whatever and then cool if you don't want to do that you just want to come out and have a low-key it's up to you. It's Send like, your team riders yeah. and just say, "Go as represent us." As long as everybody us, has right, a right. lot of fun, and you know, every, you know, the kids are happy, and I recognized that, like, what it was to be a camper. Like as I was, as we we're staying here, watching kids looking up to the pros, or even looking up to other campers 
for that signaling of like, how do we identify ourselves as a group? Like, are we, you wear your hat backwards? What kind of shoes you wearing? Are they tied? Yeah. Are they, you know what I mean? Oh, nobody's wearing socks pulled up. Okay. I'm going no socks or whatever. And then you bring that back to your scene because you're the kid that got, was lucky enough to go to camp. Yeah, you're heavily influenced about your peers and, and the pros here. Like, yes. that's the deal is like, sure, we, you have people here who maybe they just got sponsored. Like, they're, they're new to the team or whatever, and they haven't quite made a name in snowboarding yet and, uh, or whatever sport they're into. Um, and they haven't made a name, but they can make one here. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, you oh, can become, hell yeah. you have the opportunity to become that kid's favorite, like, snowboarder. Sir, skateboarder, 100%. skier, mountain biker, skate, like whatever. Yeah. Like you yeah. have that yeah. opportunity. You just have to seize it. Chad Otterstrom and Blaze Rosenthal. Yeah. He, Chad was bummed he, when he was a camper. Oh, we got Blaze. We didn't get, you know, whoever it was. Yeah. You know, Tim Wendell or Kevin Delaney, oh, Blaze, and a lifelong friendship. Yeah. And there's right? no, it's not, I mean, it's no coincidence that like a lot of these people who have like some of the most easygoing outgoing personalities are some of the most favorite the favorite like pros that are on here you know oh, yeah like they're approachable they they take the time to engage with their uh with the kids and, omar hassan was just yeah. here mind blown yeah that, and that guy Holy it's shit. if they're you know if you come to camp and you're just too cool for school yeah then you know you're not you're you're totally wasting your opportunity oh, to, have, to create fans for life so yep that's sick thank you for your time I know yep. it's. I know that it's precious, and uh, and thanks for the opportunity to come to camp. Thank Trevor for us. The setup here is just unbelievable. And if we get an invitation back next year, we'll come on the Sunday before Monday, Tuesday, when Wednesday. Fired up, ready to go. Yeah, yeah. When people are are not burned out on. I mean, I have a sunburn on the top of my head that I can't even describe. It's insane. <laughs> the sun up there is incredible. Yeah. But then the afternoons, you're just dead to the world. Well, it's, you know, it's camp. You know, you give it all. Imagine being 14-year-olds, yeah. 14 years old here and running around like. It's perfect. I mean? It's insane. Yeah, it's perfect. Right I went to, on. I went to sixth grade camp and I think it was for high school, for, for sixth grade. And it yeah. was like, I don't know. I think the most coolest thing I did was, you know, I, I think I whittled like a car or something i don't know what yeah, it was. Yeah, like yeah i mean it's still it was such a memorable experience you know totally totally so i can't imagine the, what these kids go through the yeah. opportunity they have it's it's incredible yeah and and the one thing that i have noticed there's no phones none of the kids are on their phone no. nobody's sitting in the corner playing video games they're engaged they're skating yeah. they're snowboarding especially day one yeah 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 exactly That's pretty awesome right on all right bobby thank okay, you very cool. much sick Awesome. rad shoutouts this week to Bobby Meeks, Trevor Graves, Steve Van Dorn, and the entire camp crew and Van's crew that were at Hood this summer when we visited. It was great to meet listener Todd Dinsmore and his wife Steph this week. Thanks for reaching out, Todd. Listeners, if you're going to be in Vancouver during snowboard season, be sure to hit me up and I'll try to go ride with you. It's too fun. Be sure to come back next week for another episode of F and Rad Snowboarding presented by Vans and brought to you by SIA Productions.